Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm Paula Thomas, the founder of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today's show is hosted by my colleague Amanda Cromhout, the founder of Truth, an international loyalty consultancy firm based in Cape Town, South Africa. If you work in loyalty marketing, make sure to join Let's Talk Loyalty every Tuesday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday to learn the latest ideas from loyalty experts around the world. Let's Talk Loyalty is inviting you to come and join us to talk all about loyalty. We want to know what are the biggest challenges you face to capture the loyalty of your customers as we approach 2023. In partnership with Collinson, Let's Talk Loyalty is planning a live session on LinkedIn to talk about creating customer loyalty in the year ahead. I'm inviting all of you listening to share with me the burning questions and key topics you'd like to hear us cover in a live discussion. Simply drop me an email. It's paula at letstalkloyalty.com. Then we'll pick the most popular ideas and questions and talk them through on our Let's Talk Loyalty live event this November, powered by Collinson. My email address again is paula at letstalkloyalty.com. Please do send over your questions and ideas and then join us as we talk loyalty live together for the first time. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Today is especially exciting as I'm interviewing two seasoned professionals who are the founding judges of the South African Loyalty Awards. I'm delighted to welcome Bronwyn Rowland, Head of Retail and CPG at Tata Consulting Services South Africa, and Nick Bednall, who is Chief Commercial Officer at Moya App. I am the judging chair of the South African Loyalty Awards, which is now in its fourth year and is celebrating loyalty excellence in what is known as a mature loyalty market. And we celebrate this excellence across all loyalty verticals and supporting elements of the ecosystem. Bronwyn and Nick take us through the winners and what stands out from these recognized loyalty programs, including powerful KPIs across all of the best loyalty entries. Bronwyn highlights some of the future challenges to keep ahead in loyalty and Nick debates the power of data in how retailers are fiercely using available data, whilst maybe the financial services firms have all the data, but may not be using it to its maximum potential. I hope you gain as much insight from Bronwyn and Nick as I did from our discussion about this outstanding loyalty market. So hello, Nick and Bronwyn, and welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. It's so exciting to have you both as two of our founding judges in the South African Loyalty Awards. And I've had the privilege of working with you both, and both in a former life for all of us. Bronwyn, you and I worked together on the launch of the biggest at the time grocery loyalty program, Smart Shopper for Pick and Pay. And Nick, when you were at BBDO, 
uh, we did some fun things with some of your clients in the Cape Town agency. So I really do know you both from a wonderful career and having you as founding judges on the South African Loyalty Awards adds so much value to, to the South African Loyalty Awards. So that's why we thought it would be a perfect discussion today to announce the results of the South African Loyalty Awards, but with your view on it rather than just myself as the judging chair. So I'd love to kick off with the first question that the listeners of Let's Talk Loyalty know is coming. Bronwyn, what is your favorite loyalty program? Oh, Amanda, that's a, a difficult one. Um, however, I must say um, it has to be the Emirates Skywards program. Um, not, not only is Emirates as a brand an incredible um, uh, brand, but the program um, affords the customers just so much opportunity to to earn, um, you know, free miles, to redeem free miles. And as a, a business person who travels internationally quite frequently um, with my role, um, you know, your airline, your ability to access um, lounges, the way the, the airline treats you, the quality of the airline uh, is very, very important. So, um, uh, the fact that Emirates flies into South Africa and into Cape Town, I think it's one of their busy routes, um, is just so convenient. Um, and I think the overall um, just quality of the Sky Wards program, their partners, um, the flexibility, um, the ease of earning and, and redeeming um, really puts it up there for me as one of the, the top um, loyalty programs and certainly my favourite. Oh, it's great to hear because actually my favourite when Paula asked me was also a, a competing frequent flyer programme, but was also a frequent flyer programme. So lovely to hear another one. Yeah, shows how important flights and airlines are in our, our worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And Nick, to you, the same question. What's your favourite loyalty programme? Well, you know, I spend most of my time um, fiddling with other people's loyalty programs to see how they work. <laughs> so consequently, I, I'm sure I mess up personalization for my wife and family members all the time. And then they get offered strange red wine specials on their <laughs> female gender profile, which must be very confusing for both the brand and my wife. But in my personal capacity, actually a funny story. We built a on-demand app for Vida Cafe, Vida Coffee Shops. Uh, where you could basically order ahead and pay and then skip the queue and pick up your coffee. So there was a time period where I was testing that so much that actually I led the national leaderboard for coffee in oh, the country. Brilliant. And I love I, it. You know, I actually for a moment believed my own nonsense and thought that I was that good a coffee drinker. But of course, it was because it wasn't that big in the early days and I was doing most of the testing. So the short answer is I don't really have a favorite loyalty program, but I'm, I'm Looking forward to being part of making one maybe in future. Well, I think Vida will be happy to hear that um, happy to hear their own um, program features anyway. So, and you're not the only one who's mentioned Vida in South Africa before. So, um, that's lovely to hear. So, I think just before we get into the questions about the South African Loyalty Awards, which were announced very recently for the marketplace. Uh, what I'd love to establish for the listeners of Let's Talk Loyalty is a little bit about your career and what brings you to be uh, qualified, so to speak, but uh, that's a 
to my views, to be a judge on the South African Loyalty Award. So, Bronwyn, share with the listeners a little bit, please, about your your career history bringing you up to today. Yes, thanks. Thanks, Amanda. Um, So I'm a retailer through and through. Um, As you mentioned earlier on, um, I was CMO when we launched the Smart uh, Shopper program in Pick and Pay, which was the largest grocery retailer program. And that was in 2011. Um, And um, through my, my retail experience, I was put on the team to lead the development, the design, um, the launch of the program, worked with uh, partners on it, um, and, uh, you know, it taken many months of research, uh, looking at global loyalty programs, looking at best in class, um, looking to the UK market quite a bit, actually, looking yeah. at the Tesco program and the Sainsbury's program um, uh, to see, you know, what had worked, what hadn't worked, what were customers um, really um, valuing out of those programs. And then also understanding the South African market and the pick and pay customer and obviously what would be of most value to them. Um, and so it was around the design, it was around the technology implementation. And I remember at the time, not only did we have to put in a loyalty platform, we also needed to put into a point of sale, a new point of sale system that would seamlessly uh, um, create a good customer experience. And, and at the time, we, we also put in kiosks um, around customer communication and redemption. But it, it, it really was um, a, a great time of learning, of uh, being responsive, being agile, working out what our customers responded to, what they didn't respond to, and evolving it uh, as a program. And then at the same time, Within loyalty um, programs, there's always a customer analytics side. What do you do with the data? How does it add value? How do you enrich the customer's uh, uh, experience with your brand? But at the same time, how do you take that data as a a retailer and and use it to your your advantage, not only from a a business strategy perspective, but from a a customer engagement and and, and sales and revenue perspective. So, um, you know, the bulk of my career has been as a a retailer. um, And I I, I started straight off to university with Woolworths South Africa and then moved to pick and pay retailers for the large part of my career. And um, over the last uh, seven years, I've um, head up the retail consultancy practice within South Africa for Tata Consultancy Services and still working with all the large retailers in the South African market. Wonderful. Thanks. Actually, when you mentioned a little bit more detail about Smart Shopper, Bronwyn, it reminded me of a fabulous memory that I had the privilege of going with Steve Hoban to talk at Chicago at the CRMC, which many listeners will understand is a very, very um, big CRM and loyalty conference. And we proudly stood up (laughs) and talked about the launch of Pick and Pay and how we'd exceeded 3 million cards in the first month. And this was the biggest thing ever. And we'd run out of cards and so on. And all those wonderful memories we have of the war room. And then (laughs) then Walgreens followed us and stood up and said, we're about to launch loyalty and we're going to get 60 million members in the first few months. <laughs> so we certainly got size of the marketplace concept from the 3 million at Pick and Pay and Walgreens, 60 million, but very yeah, fun memories. I, definitely. And I think, Amanda, if we think about it, if we looked at our targets and 
you know, part of the planning was um, having loyalty cards or smart shopper cards at that stage. It wasn't, there wasn't a digital option as such. So it was very much a physical card. Thank you very much. So Nick, um, for yourself, you've had a different career path, but um, what brings um, variety onto the judging panel, which is what we love. So tell us a little bit about your career. Yeah, thanks, Amanda. And I must say, it's been a great pleasure working with you and all the fellow judges on the SA Loyalty Awards for the last, what is it, four years? I think yeah. this is our Yeah, that's year. right, yeah. yeah. So um, my, my first experience with loyalty and rewards per se started in an advertising group called BBDO, um, where I worked across all the different disciplines, uh, including loyalty and rewards, but most, probably most poignantly on digital and the beginning of digital and founded for BBDO a digital agency called Glue that really helped pioneer the use of digital in this country. And um, towards the end of my career in the agency group, I saw the future in, in, in smartphones and mobile phones. And so I switched across to, to specifically mobile and software development within mobile and spent many years working with you know, big retailers and big banks building out their apps and building out the, the convergence of loyalty and payment. Because as soon as you start dealing with consumers on a digital platform, you need to have some form of ability to have omni-channel um, earning and burning of loyalty value and then combining that with payments at the point of sale in an offline retail environment. So then a lot of my career then was on the software side, specifically in mobile and then specifically in, in the payments and loyalty space. And then more recently, I've joined a, a large digital platform that reaches the mass market here in South Africa. We have about six and a half million monthly active users and about four million daily active users. And we're a very large um, chat platform like uh, WhatsApp or WeChat. But the big difference is that we're actually free to the user so they can chat to each other and to business without any cost to themselves. Yes, an incredible concept. Four million daily active users. I think that's a stat a lot of people would chase. That's super. Mm. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for sharing. So just briefly before we get into the discussion, a little bit of background to our listeners around the South African Loyalty Awards. As Nick said, it's in its fourth year and it really is a very established awards um, process for the industry here in South Africa. Um, Truth is the managing company, but we actually run it independently with a panel of 12 judges, Nick and Bronwyn being two of them, but they've been with us from the very start. And there's about 15 categories that obviously celebrate best loyalty programs in category or in industry verticals through to technology vendors, agencies, and then recognizing other aspects like the strategic use of data and technology innovation and so forth. So the judges really are a mix of digital, for example, with Nick or Bronwyn, who's extremely experienced in retail through to technology vendor experience or more of the statistics data side. So I'm really proud of the panel and they really add value to the concept of challenging every aspect of a good loyalty proposition. So yes, so today we're going to discuss the, the winners of the loyalty awards and I'd like to start please with yourself Nick give us a little sense of the main category winners if we think about retail financial services and we had one new category this year the overall long-term loyalty program give us your views sure so I think what's interesting about the South African loyalty space is that we've got a 
a, a number of very large programs, not quite as large as Walgreens, but certainly, you know, we're talking about tens of millions, if not twenties of millions of users. Some of them have been going for a very long time. So if we look at the big categories like retail and banking, there are large programs that some of them have been going for, you know, I think Bronwyn was talking about 2011, so that's 11 years ago. Others might have been going for 20 years. So you've got you've got an incredible pedigree of sustainable loyalty programs per category. But what you also have, and this is what it's a big feature of, of the last two years in my experience, is that you've got big players who for the first time are introducing loyalty programs. And not surprisingly, that is changing the dynamic quite fundamentally. And in this year's particular outcome in retail, uh, one of the newcomers of last year has actually won the overall award, and that is the ShopRite Group. Yeah. So when we saw them arrive last year, we were incredibly impressed with the, the speed that they managed to grow um, and the scale of their growth. Um, and I suppose a lot of us were going, wow, okay, these are definitely the new kids on the block. And of course, they do benefit from uh, last mover advantage. They can see what works and what resonates with the consumers. But we do need to credit them for executing it at such a high level and at such scales so quickly. Yeah. And now we see this year ShopRite once again coming in with even more figures and even more um, uh, proof points of of what a successful program they've launched. So much so that actually, although it was a very hotly contested category, they actually ended up winning it. And the same theme continues through if we look at financial services. Again, a large incumbent player with a, you know, a, a, a multi-decade record um, and a previous winner as the incumbent, also being usurped by a new arrival with uh, you know, a fairly recent launch, so under, well, a year ago in the form of Capitec. So in that particular case, Capitec, the new challenger brand uh, from a loyalty point of view, arriving and cleaning up. So absolutely absolutely fascinating dynamic. I think very good for the consumer, obviously, but equally very good for the level and quality of competition, demonstrating, you know, quite what a standard is being achieved in in this loyalty market here in South Africa. And then if we move across to the kind of the long-term category, um, you know, firstly, a, a wide range of brands being able to demonstrate that they have been there for the long term. Um, and then an incredible win for, for eBucks, uh, just being able to show year after year fantastic innovation at scale. And I think most specifically um, for a tiered program, you know, a really comprehensive offering for every tier that they operate in. So a really exciting year. Yeah, great for the overview. In fact, recently eBucks were recognized on the international stage with the International Loyalty Awards as winner of best use of technology for loyalty. And they also, as we know, picked that up for the South African marketplace for the fourth year running. So that's obviously their niche that they're being recognized for as well, as well as the long-term program. The one, there's another category as well, Bronwyn, if you could share with us. We had a QSR restaurant category, which is a very um, dynamic part of the industry here in South Africa. So which brand led that, that particular award? Yeah, it was the Spurs Steak Ranches Family um, Club Loyalty Program, um, Amanda, which, you know, I mean, the, the Spurs Steak brand is a, a brand that's well-loved uh, by many South African families. 
And um, I, I think the, the, the program really, um, you know, has been quite successful over the last year. I, I know they had some challenges during COVID, as did most of the restaurant industry in South Africa. Uh, there was a time period they couldn't trade, um, they couldn't serve customers, and, and, and a lot of them were impacted. But if one just looks at the Spurs Steak Ranch uh, loyalty program, I mean, they've been running for about 11 years. Um, besides the program just being so simple and easy to engage with, um, they have really uh, started understanding their customers and personalizing the type of rewards and offers they, they give to their, their loyalty club members. And the type of areas they, they started focusing on was, you know, what was your preferred meal? Was it a breakfast, lunch or dinner? What was your preferred dessert? Uh, when was your birthday? So the Spur Birthday Club is just one of those loyalty clubs that I think most South African families are aware of and you will you will go and redeem your voucher. It's a, it's a great event to have a, a birthday at the Spur. Um, and, and so what they've done is they've got to understand the customers a lot more. They've, they've put relevant offers to them and they've really capitalised on the family brand and, and making sure their rewards involve the whole family in terms of the ability to not only earn, but also to redeem uh, rewards during um, you know, your, your visit to the restaurant. So I think a simple model, um, seamless with a, just the most um, wonderful mobile app. I, I really want to say that, um, you know, easy to just register. Uh, they now have a digital engagement model, which I think is, um, you know, just it's just absolutely necessitated by the current, uh, you know, all the last three years of, of pandemic and, and customers wanting to engage differently. So, yes, I think a, a well-deserved category winner um, uh, yeah, being the first tech branches, yeah. And as you say, an iconic South African brand. I mean, I think any of us with children have spent many hours letting our children enjoy the the fun and games there. And they've captured that through that fabulous family card that gets your children hooked at a young age, birthday celebration. So that's really always stood out for me. So that's lovely you've highlighted that. I think what's great about having this conversation with yourselves, because you've seen all of the entries you've judged for four years now, but recently this year, what I'd love to share with the listeners of Let's Talk Loyalty are more of the generic so that we don't attach it to any particular brand, but more of the generic sort of key, key performance indicators, the key loyalty KPIs that are coming through. So, Nick, if you could share some of those, what you read in the entrance so that we get a sense of the best of the best, what are they achieving in the loyalty marketplace? Sure. So, I think let's just take a step back, for instance, if we look at the retail category, one of the impressive things that happens when you when you implement a good loyalty program at scale is that you go from an understanding of, of sales and gross revenue to an understanding of exactly how that is derived by whom. So one of the major drivers is the identity, obviously, of the consumer who's now spending the money through your tools. So when we see um, you know, the loyalty programs contributing up to you know, potentially 90% of all sales, you realize just quite how powerful that is for the retailer. And we also recognize that because of you know, the strength of technology, we now have the ability to understand up to 90% of the volume of all transactions going through a retailer at scale 
and being able to look at that data and segment that data right down to, you know, and that's the potential of personalization. So I think the 90% kind of throughput or 80 to 90% throughput is a, is a really interesting stat. Yeah. Then on, on the banking side, you know, where they, where they have uh, the ability to earn and increasingly that ability to earn is, is more and more seamless with less and less work for the consumer to, to do. They're having really, really high redemption rates. And for a while, I think in loyalty, there was this idea that maybe redemption rates should be low because then you don't have to spend the money. But that's, of course, completely wrong. You do want to drive consumers to redeem the value so that they get that, you know, either the direct transactional benefit, whatever the value of the benefit that you're offering, or just the feeling of being acknowledged and recognized, you know, either way, whether it's emotional, whether it's transactional redeeming at really high percentages is an important health barometer of a loyalty program. And in the case studies that we were reading, you know, that some of them were at 92%. So, yeah. you know, really, really good redemption levels. And then I think another thing to bear in mind is that when you've got very large categories like retail and banking, um, you know, to make a percentage change in the sales figures is, is something to be extraordinarily proud of, you know, and in these categories we were seeing three to four percent lift in sales and that you know that is an enormous achievement if you consider how big some of these retailers or banks already are yeah and i think these numbers nick thanks for sharing are so difficult to get hold of in the open space because obviously no brand really wants to disclose them so what i'm hearing from you is this 80 to 90 percent contribution of sales that is absolutely comparable to global best practice we we've heard on the show alone many brands talking about an 80 or 90%, but others talking about a lot less. So the, these um, stats coming out of the South African Loyalty Awards are very comparable to the best in class globally. So it's really, I'm really excited to hear them. So thank you very much. And that three to 4% incremental sales is like a magic number that uh, we, we as practitioners have to use day in, day out. So to actually get some evidence effectively of a group of brands that are saying a similar thing um, enables us to have some confidence in that type of number. But if we think about going forward, like we've we've we're in the fourth year, it's still quite a young loyalty awards. But taking the loyalty awards out of the discussion, Brahman, what's your view of what you know? You're such an established retailer. What do you think loyalty programs need to do to actually keep themselves ahead for the future? Yeah, I mean, you know, if one just looks at the sort of global shakeups we've had over the last, gosh, when did the COVID pandemic come in? 2021. I mean, businesses have just had to focus on innovation, digital transformations, greater investment in technologies, because the way they were engaging with the customers or where the, the customer engagement model has evolved due to the pandemic has really changed, um, you know, a lot of a, a, a retailers' um, ability to communicate with customers. So I think, you know, what one's seeing and what one will see is the adoption and refreshing of new technologies around loyalty, um, you know, the digital transformation uh, will enable being able to engage with customers through any channels at any time, through different um, technologies, whether it's mobile app, email, WhatsApp, social media, you're really going to see that change. And and I think one of the, the big trends um, um, that one will see is really 
um, an actual move to start putting personalization into action. I know everyone talks about it, uh, you know, yeah. the whole benefit of loyalty programs is personalization, but I think it's more spoken about than actually implemented. And I, I think some recent research that I saw was that many retailers are still only spending about 5% of their marketing budgets on personalized offers. Um, so with the move to digitization, there's going to be an increased demand and, and need to spend a, across digital channels. So I think, um, you know, that with, um, you know, the, the new platforms, technology platforms that are out there that you can start triggering marketing, uh, you know, automated communications, campaigns, loyalty offers with AI um, out there and the ability to do data analytics at totally different levels, I think, um, you know, is going to fundamentally change um, the way one communicates with customers or the ability to communicate with, with, with customers. Um, so I think that's going to, to be key because as um, the, the retailers and loyalty programs learn more about their customers and their preferences, they're going to have the ability to um, interact with them differently, yeah. which moves to the next point. And I think this is going to be the second big trend that's going to happen is moving beyond transactional loyalty and moving to more an emotional loyalty. And an emotional loyalty really talks to brand engagement and, and how often you can get that customer to interact with your brand and it might be you know whether it's getting to know your customers differently uh letting them tell you their preferences could be through gamified surveys profiles um there's just going to be a demand not not to replace transaction but i think to supplement it i think they will coexist but i think the way the world is moving um and the more channels there's just going to be a need to build that emotional loyalty as well. Um, so those yeah. are, are, you know, two big trends that I will, uh, I think, go hand in glove. The personalization and building of emotional loyalty will support each other. And I can just use one one um, loyalty program that I think that's done this particularly well in, in, in the last year or so, and that's the Marks and Spencer Sparks program. And the way that they've also changed their, their model of engaging with the customers through um, events, understanding who the customers are. It's, it's not a points-based program, but it's about emotionally connecting with them through, you know, initiatives. It might be a preview of, a, you know, a new range of, of clothing. It might be priority access to a wine event. Yeah. Um, it's little thank yous that they give the customer. Um, you know, it's it's the community involvement, the sustainability uh, credentials and ability to give back and, and uh, also look after the environment. So I think they've really understood the customers quite well and changed um, their approach to a far more emotional engagement model. Um, um, and I think that's kind of an important trend. Yeah, and you mentioned that they don't give points anymore because they used to and they've moved away from that to this more of an emotional engagement type model, which is lovely. You've highlighted that. Actually, talking about um, emotional loyalty, you know, I mean, it's a coined phrase, but the previous interview we did it with South Africa was with Peter Twine from my school. And they actually also were a winner at this year's South Africa Loyalty Awards. 
um, in a, we call it the open category because it doesn't fall specifically in a particular segment. And Peter talked a lot about, you know, this, and I think all of us who understand the My School, My Village, My Planet program, understand that pull on emotional loyalty rather than just the pure transaction. So you mentioned, Bron, um, around eco and sustainability. Um, I've had the privilege of recently being at an international conference that talked about this. So it's obviously hot on everyone's agenda globally. What are your views on that around, you know, loyalty programs? And um, yeah, what are your views? And did we see much of it coming through in this year's awards? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't necessarily see that coming through, um, you know, in, in, in all the categories. I mean, I yeah. think the retail category has always been particularly strong um, around this and, and, and maybe to a, a similar extent, the banking. But, you know, the effects of COVID has really left its mark on consumers and whether it's demographic changes, whether it's environmental, whether it's community, sustainability is just becoming an important corporate and customer issue. And if we have a look at customers basing their purchase decisions on company values, the way they impact, um, you know, treat the environment, how they treat their communities, you know, sustainability initiatives are going to become a core practice in the world of loyalty. Um, if one looks, too, at the emerging generations, I mean, you know, the millennials, Generation Z, they all see sustainability as a key component of business and, and it's going to become a core purchase criteria. So I think it's something that um, companies are going to have to stand up and take notice of if they haven't. Yeah. Um, I think um, it's, an, it's, it's a wonderful brand engagement uh, opportunity um, um, you know, these younger generations are definitely proving to be more socially conscious than perhaps us as parents or grandparents. And I think for organisations that are looking to be successful, not just today, but in the future, they're going to have to contend with this changing face of customer demographics, their preferences, how they want to be communicated with, um, and so I think embedding sustainability into core business models, corporate governance and customer loyalty programs are definitely going to be key for the success of any organization in the future. Yeah, you mentioned the connection between generational um, demographics and um, sustainability. What came out of the Comarch user group conference in Paris was very much that it is a factor of purchasing, but it not necessarily a lot of people talk about it, but not necessarily put their money on the line when it comes to changing their shopping behavior around eco and sustainability, but they intend to, but don't necessarily follow through. But of those that do, it's very dominated by a younger customer. So very much something for everyone to sit up and look at. And I agree with you. It didn't come through as strongly as I would have liked to have seen in the in these awards. So maybe something for the companies to focus on for next year. So I think, uh, Nick, I want to ask you a question really around, you know, there's a lot of talk, as Bronwyn said, about personalization, but obviously there's a broader discussion around strategic use of data and how that can really drive improved experience and value for the customer, but as well as for the business. What are your views on that between the different categories and the use of data? 
Yeah, it's, it was very interesting, you know, seeing that when you go across the different categories, you just see how people use data differently. So, I mean, I think the good news, and I spot on with, agree with Bronwyn, that personalization is the mantra and that's what everyone's aiming for. And there are really good examples of delivering personalization at scale. I think what's really interesting, though, is if you kind of just take a step back and think about it, banks forever have had all the data in the world, haven't they? Because they see all the transactions, yeah. but they haven't particularly used it that well uh, for a long time. Although some of them, you know, like the e-bucks of this world would claim that they do and have got some evidence to prove that they do. But generally speaking, as a genre or as a category, banks had a lot of information and didn't use it particularly well. Along come the retailers and they go from really understanding you know, a huge range of, of other fact, factors in marketing to getting into understanding, you know, the data that comes out of first part of data, what comes out of the till at a consumer level. And, you know, they've been very quick to take advantage of that and, and very convincing in, in how they take advantage of that. So um, it's really interesting to see what that means for the, for the consumer uh, and how good the consumer experience goes through it. It's really interesting to see retailers that, you know, at the very highest level, you know, at the C-suite level are making decisions about uh, ranging and assortment and personalized offers at scale, you know, and so they, they're totally committed to what we talk about in loyalty, or even, even at like a CEO level of a big, uh, you know, um, retailer. And one wonders if a similar focus exists within the banks, yeah. you know, some of them definitely, um, you know, I think, in, in, in the South African market, eBucks is a very good example of that forever and ever. Uh, and now Capitech with its no frills, very simple, highly compelling program, no doubt had the full C-suite behind it. But you wonder about some of the other banks where you don't see much evidence of that same commitment to, to data analytics and to customer centricity right at the very top. That's great. Like, I love that, like how the banks have it and the retailers are using it. So <laughs> uh, I love the way you've coined that. Thank you. So I really enjoyed the, the dis I enjoyed obviously the announcement of the awards that you took us through today, but more the discussion around the KPIs and how programs need to evolve. And exactly now, Nick, your, your discussion around banks versus retailers and how some are or are not using data to scale. Um, and I think let's just remind everybody in, a, in the Let's Talk Loyalty audience that South Africa is a very mature loyalty market. It's been mentioned quite a few times on this series, um, and hence these awards were hotly contested. So just before I draw ourselves to a close, um, is there anything else you'd like to add and share with the, talk, with the audience today? Bromwim. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, uh, we, we, we've covered a lot. I think um, just the type of rewards or loyalty model is going to be one that's going to be more holistic, I think, relationship-based. And I think one's also got to start considering, you know, whether you're a retailer or bank, you're operating in an ecosystem where you share the same customers. Um, and I, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, removing friction. I think there's going to be, you know, um, a, 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 I'm going to use the word collaboration. I, I, th I think there's going to be a, a slightly different model, perhaps, of, of loyalty where, um, you know, whether you're a bank or retailer, you're going to be aware of the how they react towards their brand, the interests, you know, the financial obligations, um, and really going to allow retailers and financial institutions together 
because certainly retailers are also offering financial cards now and, and, and products that will allow them to sort of create, build, retain much stronger relationships with their customer. But it really talks about a holistic uh, approach to your customers. Yeah, I love that. I mean, if we look at the winner of the retail category ShopRite, they have launched their own banking proposition straight up. So, you know, they really are cross-pollinating different categories. Um, and a lot of the retailers, if you look at NetBank South Africa with their Avo app, are also entering into services and delivery and so on. So a real cross-pollination across those industry verticals. Absolutely fantastic. And Nick, anything else for you just before we say goodbye? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the categories that we look at tend to do loyalty for the middle to upper income. For me, the opportunity gap in the South African market is the mass market. You know, there's a famous statement that the rich love a bargain, but the less, you know, the less well-heeled need it. So there's a huge opportunity for doing loyalty and rewards to the mass market. They, they have been largely ignored. And if we look at ShopRite with extra savings, and if we look at Capitec with its program, that is proof that you know you can do loyalty at scale for the mass market and get a, you know a tremendous benefit out of doing it. So I think going forward, there are going to be many um, retailers and banks and uh, quick service restaurants, etc., that need to understand this. And it's now far easier to deliver a loyalty program where the margins are tight at mass scale by using technology. So there is no excuse not to do this. Um, the mass market needs a decent rewards and loyalty program. And I would hope going forward that we see more and more examples of that. Fantastic. Yeah. And we've obviously seen it, as you said, the judges um, saw how well it's been executed, exactly what you just said with the results with ShopRite and Capitec picking up their respective categories. So from myself, I am the judging chair myself of the South African Loyalty Awards, but I never judge because I'm terribly conflicted, but it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to run the, the judging proceedings with such established uh, professionals such as yourself. So from myself at Let's Talk Loyalty to Bronwyn, Roland and Nick Bednall, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you very much. This show is sponsored by The Loyalty People, a global strategic consultancy with a laser focus on loyalty, CRM and customer engagement. The Loyalty People work with clients in lots of different ways. Whether it's the strategic design of your loyalty program or a full service, including loyalty project execution. And they can also advise you on choosing the right technology and service partners. On their website, the Loyalty People also runs a free global community for loyalty practitioners. And they also publish their own loyalty expert insights. So for more information and to subscribe, check out theloyaltypeople.global. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. 
Thanks again for supporting the show.